Hey, podcast listener, are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. Well, I guess I, I realize the potential for how much value you can add in a short amount of time if you systemize things. Welcome to the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast, where I help you work less and make more. My name is Geraldine Carter. There's an industry-wide gravitational force toward regular hour-long meetings. Somewhere along the way, it was decided that hourly meetings held weekly or monthly or quarterly are the way to deliver services. And it may be true that regular meetings are the best way to deliver some services, but what's the best way to deliver results? Here today to talk with me about this question is Ben Manley, owner of Knapsack Creative. Knapsack Creative is known for delivering gorgeous, effective websites in just one day. I wanted to have Ben on to talk. Oop, I wanted to have Ben on to talk about how to make the shift from the old school way of doing things to a new way of designing something to provide an outstanding product and excellent service so that you might look at your own services through a different lens and perhaps find a way to deliver more value more easily. Ben Manley, welcome to the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast. Geraldine, thank you so much for having me on. I'm super excited to talk to you. I've loved working with you in the past, and I'm just excited to have this conversation. Yeah, and we should say that you all did my website overhaul in May a couple months ago, and it is awesome. I love it. <laughs> the reason that I'm having you on is because it was so great and because the experience was so great and so far apart from every other terrible website build experience I've had. Let me say that usually I interview experts in pricing and others inside the accounting space, and it may have been some time since listeners have gone through a website overhaul experience. So for our listeners, can you give them a sense of what the old way of doing website overhauls was and what the problems with it were? Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So the old way is, you know, you contact somebody through the website over email, you start talking to them over email, maybe maybe you get on a phone call, maybe you work with somebody local or something like that. Uh, but usually, you know, the first step is they ask you a few questions, uh, trying to learn about your business. And then they'll probably first thing go and probably give you like three different mock-ups to look at. You know, they'll take away what, what they talked about and show you three mock-ups and they're like, all right, cool. Which one, which one of these do you like the most? You know, and then you maybe try to choose one. Well, they go back off work on their own. They come up with like an amazing website they think is great. Come back to you and say, Hey, uh, what do you think? And you're, you know, and usually it's over email. This is the way I've experienced it at companies I used to work at. You know, it was a lot of email communication. 
But then at that point, the client doesn't like it and you don't know why. And you've already poured your heart out making this, <laughs> this website that's like, you know, you think is amazing, but the client has had no touch points along the way to see where this project is going. You know, the process can vary company to company. Sometimes you have content uh, first and then you have design next and then you have development or whatever it is. But usually it's a pretty long drawn out process. And by the end, most people that I've talked to say, hey, I just talked to a client yesterday and he said um, his goal for his project with us, you know, his top priority was that it didn't feel like a root canal without anesthesia. And I think that that made me laugh. And I was like, I think that that would be a great tagline for our website. You know, your website <laughs> won't feel like a root canal without anesthesia. You know, I talked to another lady the other day that said, hey, we, we solved in one day for her what she had spent four months banging her head against the wall with another agency previously. And it was because communication, like honestly, having an organized process and communication is like the number one thing that's helped us kind of solve this problem. Great. I love that. And I can attest to the, it takes four months longer than you think it will. You were ready to go live, <laughs> you know, way back in the winter yeah. time. And you're just going like, ah, oh, crap, I'm waiting for this website to go live before I do all these other initiatives in my business. And it's the thing that is holding me up. And it's just like email back and forth. And we can't agree on fonts and point size. And, yeah. it's like, and I'm driving the bus from the backseat, which is a terrible idea. Yeah. So at what point in your business did you go, okay, this is not working. There's got to be a better way to do this. Great question. I, I think one of the things was we were trying to use Gantt charts to manage multiple projects and overlaps. <laughs> oh and so we were like, oh, you just got fans. Yeah. So I was like, okay, <laughs> let's try to map out all of our time, each person on our team, which resources working on which project, and then, you know, figure out how this works. Well, the pain point is like when one project goes out of whack and you can't control it because your client might be late on a content delivery or something as soon as it goes out of whack, it's like, okay, now I have to reschedule my other clients' projects. That seems very unfair to them. Do I have to ask my my um, employees to work late because a client's mistake? That seems unfair too. How do I, you know, I can't force the client to give me the stuff I need. So that was a huge pain point was just the effect that one project would have on another um, that I really was like, oh man, this is kind of like, we got to fix this. The other thing wasn't even necessarily a pain point. It was just almost like at the same time, it was kind of this happy discovery of, you know, I had been doing some free work for friends over lunch where I designed their logo for them or something. And I realized um, that it was a lot of fun working with them in person and just designing something live. And they were amazed too. They're like, wow, this is so fast. Like, it's cool to see someone designing in the process of building it. And so kind of a light bulb went in my head. I was like, I could try websites like this. I could try to you know, build a website with a client. And so I think it was like a couple of weeks later, I was like, somebody had a low budget. And I was like, you know what, why don't you just come to the office, bring your thumb drive, you know, and we're just going to sit down together and, and build you a website uh, in one day. And whatever we get at the end of the day is what we get and we're going to launch it. So that was kind of the, the realization of like, okay, this could kind of work for somebody else. So, okay. So you do it for one person and you're like, huh, okay. It turns out this works. What was the point at which you deployed this for a full paying client? So how did that, um, like, tell me the, tell me about the process of going from, you know, I'm just going to test this on a guinea pig, pilot this, see if it works, see how it goes, to actually doing it with a regular full-scale paying client. It was a really, it was kind of a slow evolution in some ways. And then it was also jumping off the cliff at the end. So I'll tell, I'll tell you briefly. So we did a lot of these 
for basically lower budget clients, we kind of made it our, our downsell, you know? So we had our long process where we do a custom site that was all like development, maybe cost $20,000 or something, but then it's like small business local, like, Hey, we started out at a thousand dollars for that one day experience. So like, Hey, maybe, you know, we can bump this up a little bit, still good value. They're getting a great website and it's actually less time. So in some ways it's more valuable than our $20,000 product, you know? Um, it's just a simpler website. So we, we basically made that like a one product in our business, uh, an answer for a certain type of client for a while. So we kept doing that and then it became more and more popular. And we realized that we were getting better and better at it because we kept adding onto our process. And, and eventually we thought, okay, maybe it's not a great idea for them to just show up at their thumb drive. Maybe we should have a meeting, at least one meeting beforehand to plan out what we're going to do. So we make more use of our time. Right. So it's, you kind of logically start to, to add areas to like remove, um, you know, some of the bumps in the road that might've come up for clients and stuff. So we add on a little bit more framework to it than just like show up and figure it out. Um, and then, you know, it, it came to the point where we had this really big web project we were working on and the next one we had booked that was a pretty huge one fell through completely and they canceled the project. And we were like, we don't have a project for the next month or two. Like instead of trying to get another big project, why don't we just try to go all in on this service? Cause we're already booking some days. If we, if we book Tuesdays and Thursdays for these one day projects, we'll be uh, equally or more profitable than we are with our, you know, big projects. So we thought, Hey, let's just book more of these. And we had a, a decent number of leads coming in and we're like, well, we'll just downsell them to this cheap, cheaper option instead of taking big projects and do more of them. And so we kind of just like went all in at that point, like we're not even going to try for big projects. We're just going to try for these small ones. And that's when we went all in. Oh my gosh. I love it. So you almost started a little bit by accident, you know, from the free thing, the logos over lunch yeah, and like this person has a tiny budget, so just come on in, we'll bang this out, to like, oh, this actually works. Maybe we should start making this the product and then not, and then actually jettisoning the big, the big clients. Now that you've gone all in on this service, you've also kind of split this service itself into a couple of different options, right? Because when I came to you, it sounded like because of our pre-conversations that there were options beneath what I was choosing and there may have been an option above. So it sounds like this thing has even iterated into other options. Can you talk about that? Yeah. We realized that, you know, the one day option works for a lot of people, but you know, we were leaving a lot of opportunity on the table to work with bigger companies that would have loved to work with us, but they don't have a seven page website. So they're like, you know, I love your experience, but I wish I could work with you, but Hey, this is too, too big of a site to do that. And I was like, well, you know, we could just tweak our process slightly. And, and there's a whole lot more involved, but just briefly, you, you, you know, we basically have an initial discovery meeting to learn about the client and their needs and goals. In that meeting, we like to give them a quote right on the call, you know, exactly how much it's going to cost them. So we learn enough about that to be able to quote their project um, because we have predefined packages with limits. Um, and so it's very productized and that's why we can I think that sales work really well that way because people can clearly see what they're getting, all that kind of stuff. Um, but basically we, we decided to create these higher packages and, and now actually our lowest package is now at 4,800. So it's grown a lot over the last, you know, seven, six or seven years since we first started trying to do that. Um, it's grown each year. We've added more value. We've systemized it more, added SEO and like more and more services and not really increase the time too much. We have added some time in other meetings as you've experienced, but at this point, it's basically your discovery meeting up front. Then you have a content meeting where we review all your, 
you know, assets together and make sure we have a good plan. Then we have the design day where you really like focus and we collaborate over video chat, you know, for the whole day, kind of tweak, tweak everything, make sure you like it. And then we have the SEO day as a separate day where we kind of tweak all the SEO, uh, make sure it's optimized. And then we actually have an add-on follow-up session afterwards, which helps us kind of catch any little loose ends, you know, and that was something we learned too, is that there would be loose ends that the client would get frustrated about and maybe like email over later. It's like, hey, let's just have a dedicated time where we can just knock it out together with them like we do the rest of the project. Um, so anyway, trying to give you a little context for the different packages, but the day pack is is the one that includes one day and that's the 4,800. And then we have, you know, other packages um, that include more design days. So it's really the same exact system and process, except for you just add on more design days. So it just makes it scale for larger projects. Okay, cool. So one common protest in the accounting profession is, I have no idea how to price things because I don't know how long it's going to take. Mm, yeah. And somebody could come to you with a website and you could say the exact same thing. I can't price that up front because a website could just expand to eternity in scope. But you've managed to put a flat rate fixed price on it. How do you curtail scope creep? And how did you figure out how to price it in a way that's profitable because your company is nicely profitable? That's a great question. I think the one thing that has helped us with, you know, I'm a big fan of value-based pricing or flat rate pricing and stuff because I think it's fair to the client to kind of know exactly what it's going to cost up front. And I think, you know, with enough repetition, you as a company should be able to kind of hedge your bets, even if you spend a little more time on one product or a little less on another, that you should be able to have a pretty close average and should track stuff good enough to know like if you're being profitable or not. With pricing our services, I think w- one thing I always thought about is, you know, how much am I paying each person that's working on this project? How much does that cost hourly, you know? And then make sure that the hourly rate for the effective amount of time we're spending on those things averages to be like at least two to four times as much as the client is um, paying us, if that makes sense. So it should be at least like maybe a quarter to half of what the client is paying us or less. That's kind of how I started doing it. It's kind of now that the process is more complex, it's not quite that simple, but that's kind of a guideline that I kind of started with. In, in another principle is just like time boxing makes everything more efficient for the client and for the um, employee. So having like, hey, this is our day when we're working on it, you know, tasks tend to expand to fill the time that you give them, you know, so it could become even longer. But if everybody's focused and you're like, hey, this is the best solution that we can get done in this amount of time, then it just gets way more motivating and, and, and uh, focused. So a lot of it has to do with being very efficient um, with the time that we have. So we kind of know exactly how much time each project takes us. Um, so that helps us make sure that we are charging the right amount of money for it. Um, as far as Scope Creek goes, that's a really good question. We define and say, hey, your website uh, is going to include up to X number of pages. Um, and we also identify the features that they want up front. And so we make sure that we talk about all that in our first meeting. And if there's anything outside of the scope of what Squarespace can do, because that's what we build on, then we say, hey, it might not be a good fit for you. And we're happy to send them to someone else. So we kind of define what the goal is and the scope of the project in that first meeting. And I tell them, hey, if anything changes, we're gonna be training you anyways. So we kind of do, we almost switch to a done with you approach instead of a done for you approach with those things that are bigger than the scope. So it's actually pretty common for maybe at least half of our clients to build part of their site themselves afterward, because what we'll do is we'll build their site, train them exactly how to use the tools. They can duplicate the pages we've already made, and then they can kind of go in and, and make tweaks to the content themselves if they want to change or tweak anything. But, you know, we kind of present that as that it's also a feature to them because that means they're going to learn how to manage their own website, which means they're going to be more successful long-term. So we provide training videos. So short answer is 
scope, we just make it clear what we're doing. And then if there's something that changes, then they'll be responsible for it. But we will give them the tools and knowledge in order to add those additional things. Did you ever think if you'd been having beers with a buddy before you ever launched this service and it even occurred to you that somebody should just come to your office with a thumb drive and your buddy said to you, you know what, I bet you could charge 4,800 bucks to build a website in a day. Would you have said, oh yeah, totally. That's completely reasonable. Or would you have been like, you are off your rocker. Nobody's ever going to pay me 4,800 bucks to build a website today. The second one. <laughs> yeah. I would have been like, no way. That doesn't make any sense. No, no one would do that. Especially, especially, I mean, if you think about it, we're working on a DIY tool that's advertised it's kind of interesting because it's advertised like, Hey, come build your own website and I'll take you an hour, build it on Squarespace. And Squarespace is amazing, but there's so much more knowledge of the web itself, design knowledge, uh, copywriting knowledge, SEO knowledge to build a site that's going to like serve you as a business. I mean, sure. A personal site, you can kind of pull off on your own and it doesn't matter too much, but if you, it's doing your business a disservice to not invest at least a certain amount into it because then you're going to get a return. If you don't invest that, you're not going to get that return of getting new leads or whatever, you know, being professional and something you're proud of. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just kind of crazy that, you know, when you look at it, a lot of people and developers are kind of against like DIY platforms, like, Oh, that's a toy. You know, you shouldn't use, use that. Or, um, you know, they might just think, Hey, you can't do that much with it, but it's amazing. Like with a simple tool, what you can do. I mean, you think about an artist, you know, artists aren't like, oh, you got to have like all the paints in every single color or whatever. They're like, oh, I only need these couple colors. I know how to mix them. I know how to use these. Or an amazing artist can make a beautiful piece of art with just a pencil. You know, sometimes like what you're able to create doesn't really matter what tool you're using as long as you know how to use it really well. So let's go back to the 4,800 thing. Because if you had been like, no, no, you're totally off your rock or your bananas. What's What do you see now that you didn't see then? Well, I guess I, I realized the potential for how much value you can add in a short amount of time if you systemize things. Because back then I didn't realize that you could create such a good website in a day. I thought it would just be a very simple website that really no frills. Like, yeah, no one's going to pay for that. But now I see the actual value that a website has for a company and how much they pay other people for that and how painful that is. So really the fact that we work less on it is almost like a feature, which is weird. But we spend less time on it because we have so many things planned out. Like we can do a, a thing that it would take you maybe a day or two of research to figure out how to do. We have in a code snippet with a shortcut on our keyboard where we can basically type a certain phrase and it replaces that with code that we've collected and researched. What is the best way to do this? But it's rep repeated problems. So we have a solution in our back pocket to solve it in five seconds instead of two days. So it's just like this collected knowledge and systemizing. Okay, wait, so um, you use something like text expander to like drop in, you type in like dot code script and it just populates the code that you need. Yeah. Yeah. For certain codes that we use repetitively, you might as well just type in that thing and it expands the code there. And then you're like, cool, fix that problem, move on. So just being smart and like learning repetitive things and identifying those patterns of things you do over and over. Um, then yeah, it helps like speed things up. And then it's like, you can add so much value in a short amount of time. So one thing we ran into at first was that people you know, if I said, Hey, we're going to work on this for one day. And then you get this website, they'd be like, man, let me do the calculation. You get, you're charging more than lawyers charge. Like they would actually kind of do the calculation and be like, Oh, you're charging like 600 something dollars an hour or, or whatever it was, depending on whatever price we were at at the time. Like, man, that's uh, kind of expensive. And so then they would go to someone else. And so I was like, huh, that's interesting. You know, even though they're getting better value and get it done for them faster, 
it was hard for them to swallow that, hey, I'm paying X amount per hour of perceived time that we're giving them. So then I ended up just like, I just didn't mention that anymore. I didn't say, oh, we're going to spend eight hours this day on this. Instead, I talked all about what they would need to show up for and not what we were spending on it. We just kind of framed it as like, okay, um, the cool thing is you only need to be available on this day, this day, here are your exact meetings. So your involvement is this much. And they're like, oh, cool. That sounds pretty good. And so just like presenting an organized structure for them and not talking about how much time we were spending on it as much just totally changed their perception. And they didn't really care about how much time we were spending. They just wanted the end result and a good experience. Yes. I love that. Cause they don't really at the end of the day until you bring it up and mention it so that they can divide dollars by hours. Otherwise they don't, they don't think about it and they don't care until you make the equation obvious for them. And then they start to go, wait a minute, yeah. that, that's like six times what I make. Right. And then all of a sudden they're in resistance. So don't even give them the option to think about it and keep them focused on the value of the results that they're going to get from working with you. So let me ask you about Squarespace. And just for listeners who you know aren't steeped in this stuff, Squarespace is one platform you can build a website on. WordPress is another. And you guys only design in Squarespace. So when somebody comes to you and says, hey, I want to work with you, but I want to work in WordPress, what do you say? I say, um, that's awesome. I, sometimes I'll ask them like, wh- why? Because I'm more like curious if they've thought it through not to change their minds. Like, I'm not trying to change your mind, but just curious, you know, what, what your decision process is. So I might ask that question, but usually, you know, I'll say like, Hey, awesome. I know some people that are good WordPress developers, you know, let me, let me send them, uh, send you their way. Like we, we don't, you know, in a sales meeting, my whole goal is I'm trying to help them get to the, what their goal is, you know, and what help them succeed in what they're doing. So if it ends up not being working with us, that's okay. You know, I'll decline projects sometimes when I'm like, Hey, you're just starting your company. You really shouldn't invest this much in a website yet. I would recommend going this route, maybe doing DIY. Here's a few tips of how I would organize your website if I was building it. Um, and just kind of give them a little value. And then people appreciate that, you know, it's not a sales trick, but it does actually benefit us in the end because people come back a year or two later and like, man, hey, thanks for making me that Loom video where you gave me tips on my website, even though you didn't work on our project, you know? So when it's Squarespace versus WordPress, you know, I I usually send them um, to somebody I know that does WordPress, or I just kind of talk to them briefly if they're open. I just tell them things about Squarespace and say, hey, you know, if you do go with Squarespace, it's going to be a lot easier for you to maintain. You don't have to worry about plugins breaking. You don't have to worry about security updates. Um, you kind of got all the, the tools you need in a box and they all work together and are automatically updated. And you just kind of don't have to deal with those headaches because as a business owner, I don't think you should have to be thinking about security updates on your website. It just seems like an oddly technical thing to be responsible for and have to worry about, you know? Um, so people can do it, but it's just like, man, that it's stressful because eventually it's going to break and that one of those plugin companies is going to go under and you're going to have to rebuild your website and no developer is going to want to change your existing website because they didn't build it. So anyway, you get tied to developers. It just gets complicated. So we love creating seven Squarespace because it's better for business owners and then we can hand it off and they can manage it themselves easily, add their own stuff, replace stuff. Um, and they just, they can take it to any other Squarespace person if they want, you know, in the future. And it's kind of like pick up where we left off. So when someone says, yeah, but will you, would you do my website in WordPress? You don't bend over backwards and say, yes, let me help you. You don't rescue them from that. You're like, no, here are some other people who design in WordPress. Yeah, exactly. And it's, I mean, yeah, it's not worth it. it. Like for me, it's all about specializing because our system is built around this one thing. And that's one reason we can systemize so much is because we have a platform specialization. Um, and that really helps us be efficient because if I had to know every single WordPress plugin or 
we're building, I mean, you know, uh, gosh, any other platform, Weebly, Wix, whatever, they're all builders, but really each one has its own unique quirks. So it's way better, in my opinion, to specialize and be the best in Squarespace as, as good as we can be than to try to be okay in lots of platforms. Okay, great. And just in case my listeners aren't tracking me, if you're on, you know, Cubio and Sage and Zero, that's not ideal. The reason that I harp on that is because I see a lot of accountants and CPAs running multiple software platforms that do the same thing. So what's been the impact or in what ways has all of what we've talked about help you land or get better clients? One of the biggest ways is that it is so easy to describe what we do to other people and how much it costs because when you usually get a website built with somebody, it is that that answer of, oh, well, let me uh, do some calculations. I'll get back with you how much that's going to cost. Or, oh, I don't really know enough. I need to kind of, you know, dive in more and you'll find out later. Or it's going to cost you X amount just to kind of plan this out and give you a quote. It's kind of easy to spread. And, I, you know, one of your, I think you've talked with previously, uh, Jonathan Stark, I think we um, both know him. He's He's been one of our clients before and he I think it's it's awesome. He's recommended us to so many people. And the reason that is, is he's told me, he's like, you know, it's so easy to tell people what you do that I can just be like, hey, you don't need to deal with all this. Go talk to Knapsack. They work on Squarespace. They'll build you a website in a day. It's seamless. You just work with them over video chat and it's done. And so just being able to tell people that is such an attractive thing because it's a little bit different than what people expect, you know? So it kind of sticks in your brain as far as I think, our process is easy enough to understand that people filed away in their mind. Even if they don't go with us, they remember it and then they tell other people about it. So I think the process has helped us a lot that way. And then the other thing is just, I mean, our goal is to create the world's best web design experience. It's not just to build great websites. Our real product is the experience we provide and we're tweaking that every week. Like we have a system where we try to innovate every single week to learn anything that we maybe made a mistake on or an idea that we had that could make our process smoother, then we process th- those things every week and update our process based on that. So I think being focused on the customer experience even more, not that like our two values are experience and quality. So we still care about quality, but at the, at the end of the day, customer experience is the most important thing to us. And so if we can focus on that, then it just spreads. I love that. And there are a couple of things in there, but I want to pull on um, different than what they expect Yesterday, I interviewed Mike Michalowicz. It doesn't come out. The episode doesn't go live until September. But we talked about ways to be different than what you expect and that the marketing is much more effective, which is exactly what you just said. So before we wrap up, I want to talk about the overall effect that this has had on your business and in your life. You went from being a website developer, doing the old things the old school way, having a, you know some big companies, and then kind of accidentally sort of doing some smaller stuff. And because of what you found, you know, basically totally shifted your business model. Now that you run your business this way and design deliver your service this way, what's been the impact on your business in terms of profitability and your time? And how has that impacted your life overall? Uh, It's helped hugely in in many ways. Uh, One is that Working at Napsec is not uh, the stressful environment that I've had working at other agencies because for my employees and for myself, because things are predictable, you know, exactly. I can tell a client exactly when their website is going to be done. And I can guarantee that like, there's, there's no like question of like, Oh, it might be done here. It might be done there. And they're not mad at me. Like I, it's very predictable. I know like when it's going to be completed for my employees, they know what they're responsible for. There's no like, 
wondering like, how big is this project going to be? It's like, oh, this is my day to do this project. And basically it's so repeatable that we very rarely have to think about how are we going to get things done? Like, oh, we need a plan when we're going to do this project. We never have those discussions. It's, there's a system for like, we even have like Tuesdays and Thursdays are our build days where we design websites. And then Mondays and Wednesdays are our meeting days. So we have you know, all of our sales meetings, content meetings, follow-up sessions on Mondays and Wednesdays. And those days are very broken up. So you can say goodbye to being productive, except for having meetings pretty much. And then our Tuesdays and Thursdays are highly focused where we're working on one project with one client on those days. And then our Fridays are, are kind of, let's recap the week. Let's talk through what came up, what we want to fix, what we want to change for next week. So we kind of do a retrospective in that way each week. But it's been great because as a manager, you know, there isn't really as much need to like plan and coordinate with people because everything is predefined. You tell the client, here are meeting times for this project, put them on the calendar. You don't need to talk about that anymore unless something changes on their end for some reason. So how the work is done is already defined, which means you can spend your time being creative within those boxes, which means that it's just a lot more freeing and and predictable as uh, a team member and for myself. Um, So that's one way that's made it better. I also just think that um, it's also made it so much easier for me to hire people and train them to do these things because now that we've created a system, it's less reliant on individuals judgment or skill or talent, even though we have great skilled and talented people, you know, if they're having an off day, they can still build a great website because we had a good plan going in they have good information from the client. There's not anything. So it's a lot harder to make mistakes. I mean, it's kind of like the whole idea of, um, you know, the e-myth or like the idea of if you've read that book, it's about like build a franchise prototype, you know, as your business, like what if you had to hire, hire high schoolers to come in and run this for you? How could you make it fairly foolproof where they could do that? And I'm not there yet, you know, with my business, but it is systemized a lot more than it used to be. And it's a lot more easy to pull on a new person, train them. Like we've, you know, some of our web designers, you know, uh, didn't have web design experience previously. They had some, but not a lot or didn't know Squarespace, but we were able to, you know, get them caught up and train them pretty quickly to be able to execute these things because we have good principles in place and good uh, systems. So it makes a huge difference for me. And how about in terms of profitability? Like what's, can you give us a sense of what your income has done or your margins? Yeah, we're, um, I mean, we're growing each year. Um, over the last couple of years, um, we are like mid six figures when it comes to, you know, yearly revenue. You know, I don't know if we'll get seven figures or not. My goal honestly isn't to become large as a company. My goal is to be a sustainable company that is very enjoyable to work at for me and for my employees. So I want to have good quality of life for people that work here. And I want to create the world's best web design experience. So that doesn't necessarily mean I need 20 people to do that. Like what is the optimal number of people to create the best experience and provide that? It doesn't have to be provide the most websites, but the best experience. So I never have seen myself growing more than like 10 employees. We have six of us right now. Maybe we will, but it's not part of the plan, you know? Uh, So to me, you know, I think our revenue is good. It's healthy and we're able to be sustainable, put some money in savings and stuff like that and feel stable. So that's kind of my goal is to be sustainable. So talk about um, quality of life because you just got back from a really lovely vacation. So, which I think, you know, for our listeners, they just got sent through the spin cycle for 18 months with tax seasons. So it's a little bit different. They haven't seen a vacation probably in, you know, 18 months. Yeah. So just tell us a little bit about, you know, being able to step away from the office and know that things are handled. 
Yeah. Um, and this is a goal for all of our employees to be able to step away, not just me, but have redundancy on our team um, so that there's more than one person that can accomplish something. Um, and even with a small team, it can be harder with a small team, but um, yeah, I would also recommend, you know, we're just talking about Mike McCallowicz, but his book Clockwork, which you've probably mentioned before, um, that was a big help for us um, in the early days when we were working on systemizing. So that was very inspiring. We actually read part of that together as a team, and it was very helpful in helping us identify ways to systemize stuff. Like we were talking before the podcast, I just got back from being away from the office for almost four weeks and three weeks of that, we were in Hawaii, me and my, my wife and two kids and you know, they're nine and 11 and we just had a blast just, you know, going to Oahu and we took the kids like, uh, you know, shark cage, which I don't know if that's the best thing to do as a parent, but it was fun. We did like the shark cage underwater. We did the submarine tour. We did zip lining. We did, you know, the beaches, we rented a camper van. I mean, we basically did everything. We were just like, all right, we're here. Let's just do everything. Um, so we just had so much fun in, it was so awesome because I just knew my team had things under control. I mean, I got one phone call the whole time I was gone. It was because I said I was available to talk if anybody needed anything. Um, I did end up doing two half days of sales when I was there because I was like, wanted to be safe and be like, okay, well, if I don't do a lot of sales, is it going to be okay? Turned out I didn't even need to do that. I mean, um, one of our designers I've been training in sales did sales while I was gone and did great. So it was actually unnecessary, but I had already scheduled the meeting. So I didn't want to like, you know, drop the clients or anything. Uh, but I mean, I, yeah, I worked two half days in, in three weeks that were really unnecessary. And, and like I was telling you before the show, we actually had our most profitable month ever when I was gone in Hawaii. So, uh, <laughs> I think, uh, I mean, that's, that sounds made up. That's like the thing I hear on a podcast. I'm like, yeah, sure. That's made up. But I mean, that's what really happened. It, I don't think it was because I was on vacation. Who's your accountant. <laughs> Those numbers can't be right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but no, it was, it was re- really great. And I, I've always had a great team. I do think there was a few things, you know, that when I come back, I'm like, okay, here's, here's some pain points for the team where it was a little much too work, too much workload for this person. So let's tweak that for next time. But man, just, I had a complete peace of mind knowing that things would be taken care of and decided on if they couldn't get a hold of me, they'd make a decision and make a good one and it would be done. So, um, yeah, it, I feel very blessed that way. Wow. What a gift. I love that. So, okay. Last questions here. So if somebody is totally picking up what you're putting out and they're on your wavelength, what advice would you give someone who's ready to like start thinking in this direction? Um, I would say a couple of things. One is think about industries outside of your own as inspiration. Um, because things like, um, you know, I, I get inspired when I go to the dentist office, I think about how did they do the, these things? Like I, 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 when I go to McDonald's, like how could I make the web design experience more like I could order from a menu or like when I went zip lining in, in Oahu, I thought about, Hey, when I, when I go and to the bathrooms before I went ziplining, they were the nicest bathrooms that I had seen in all of Oahu. And I immediately had trust that the guides would be trained well. I knew that the whole experience was going to be well thought out because their bathrooms were so well designed and clean. You know what I mean? So like those types of principles where you're like, Hey, you know, if I, if the most um, neglected parts of my business, you know, are, are done well, then people will trust me more. Like, so I'm always looking at stuff from other industries and always thinking about customer experience. When I hire somebody, I think about what experience am I having and how would that make me feel in my business? So, you know, when we hire somebody to be a contractor on our house and we don't get a call back, you know, for days or nobody tells us when they don't show up, those are all the things that you're like, okay, how would I feel in this situation? So I would say just look around you and like be very observant of experiences you have. And then take from other industries. Like there's a, 
the painting industry has a thing called painter for a day. And that was also like, Oh, that's a cool idea. Maybe we could do designer for a day. So there's like a lot of, you know, influences you can take from other in- industries because some industries do certain things really well and they do things, other things terribly. So if you can pick from industries that do certain things well and apply them to your industry, you'll be ahead of other people in your industry. So I would say that's one thing. Other thing I would say is, Try to come up with a system to innovate weekly in your business um, because I think it's too easy to get stuck in what you're doing and that's kind of doesn't create hope for your employees because your employees, if you're not fixing the problems they're running into regularly, they're not going to trust that you have their back. They're not going to think that there's... uh, that their job's going to get better in the future. They're just going to think, oh, well, got to bite the bullet. This job sucks for these reasons. And they don't have any hope that's going to be fixed. So what we do is just collect any ideas, any um, uh, problems that come up throughout the week. And we just put them in a Slack channel. You could put them on a whiteboard, whatever you want to do. A place where everybody can see like, hey, this thing happened this week. And then you just know every Friday morning as a team, just go through that list at 10 a.m. and be like, hey, here's the things that came up. Let's talk about them briefly and talk about, hey, is there something we could do to uh, make this not happen next time? Is there something in our process we could tweak a little bit just to evolve and say, hey, you know what? If we just told people and set their expectations different, they wouldn't be mad about this because we warned them up front. Or, hey, we could have a resource that they can do this, you know? So I would just say, like, be constantly thinking about that stuff and then build it into your schedule so that it doesn't get pushed aside. Because for me, like, client work will always take precedent if I don't block off something and have an accountable meeting with my team every week to kind of go through that stuff. I love that. This has been so great. So if people want to find you, how do they do that? My company, knapsackcreative.com is probably the best place if you want to check out any of our work or read the blog. Most of the posts are written by me. So I talk about, you know, other things like company culture, just, you know, productivity things that we've learned. So I like to share that with other people. If you want to listen more in audio format, then I have a podcast called The Friday Habit and it's at thefridayhabit.com. And we, yeah, episode every Friday comes out. So um, it's more about, you know, systemizing your business and stuff like that. So feel free to listen to that too. I love this. And if you haven't spelled knapsack recently, it's with a K, but we'll put it in the show notes. (laughs) Ben Manley, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Are your website and your marketing messages like camouflage and your ideal buyers just can't see you? The next time you get a phone call from some complete rando asking if you do taxes, stop what you're doing and head over to shethinksbigcoaching.com to subscribe to my daily drip of business strategy for CPAs. You'll get one easily digestible tip a day on how to position your business, how to price your services, and how to sell outcomes so that you can be more profitable, get your time back, and get off the tax hamster wheel for once and for all. That URL again is shethinksbigcoaching.com. All right, that's it from me. Have a great week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to geraldinecarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.